All right. Well, great to see all of you today, and we're so glad that you're here. We're continuing on with our series titled Reclaimed, and it's a marriage and family series, and it's every single thing related to marriage and family. And it also talks about, you know, being single, the dating life, what the dating life should look like, what the single life should look like. Um, Even if you've been divorced, if you've been widowed, we want to cover the whole spectrum of everything related to marriage and family. And so we're continuing on with the series this morning. We're going to talk about children. Uh, We've talked a little bit about being single, what the single life should look like. We've talked about if you're divorced and uh, how God can bring redemption even in the midst of a broken, past broken relationships and being divorced. We've talked about a lot of those things. What I want more than anything for this church is to be a family. And what I want to see is strong families that are raising strong children in the right way. And there is a right way. It's God's way. And so what we're doing is we're sharing some of our story, how we raise our children. For those of you that don't know, we have a three and a five-year-old. And so we are immersed in children land. And uh, we've seen a lot. I've seen a little bit more than Amber because I'm just a few years older than her. And uh, so we're opening up our lives to you. And we're going to talk about things we do and how we raise our children and what it means to be normal. Because so many people make God and make the Lord abnormal. And what does it mean to really bring the love and the excitement and the joy and the passion of who God is into your life and into your family in a non-religious, dysfunctional way. That's what we want to do. We want to make God to be who he is in a normal way in our family. So we've talked about a lot of things. I would encourage all of you, if you have not listened to the past messages, to go back onto our podcast and listen to those podcasts. We've been in this series now for a little bit over a month. Next week, we're going to have a real mama and papa that have been married for a lot of years. They've experienced a lot of uh, triumph and tragedy in their marriage. They're spiritual parents to Amber and I, and they're spiritual uh, covering to this church. And I I want you to be here for that, and especially for the women to hear from Judy and the men to hear from Steve next Saturday. Please, men, come out to Fabian's. If you don't know where Fabian lives or where the Via Real Ranch is, it's out of Old Brownsville Road. Ask any... uh, of the ushers, ask any of the leaders where it is. We'll post it up on our website. We'll get it on the Men of Valor Facebook page. Go onto that Facebook page and like that page so that you can keep up on what the men are doing. We need strong men. We need men that love Jesus. We need men that are on fire for the Lord. And we need to break the neck of religious dysfunction in our society. We need to. Because there's a lot of people not accurately representing who the Lord is. Amen? So this morning we're going to talk about children, and um, there's a lot of things to talk about when it comes to children. So this is just going to be an ongoing thing, and I don't know how long the Lord will have us on the topic of children. We are coming back to marriage. We still have to talk about Ephesians 5, and uh, we still are going to talk about if you have an unbelieving spouse, if you're married to an unbeliever or somebody that's not following the Lord, how to handle that. You know, the Bible gives an answer for everything. The Bible gives an answer for everything. Every situation you're in, there's a biblical answer to it. And so what we want to do is we want to teach you. We want to equip you. We want to train you. My heart as a father and Amber's heart as a mother is to not just have a good church. We want a spiritual church full of life and full of families and people that really love Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. 
You guys are so much more lively than the first bunch, let me just say. Yeah, so one thing I want to say right off the bat is this message is relative to everyone. Just because we're going to talk about children doesn't mean it's not applicable to you if you're older, your kids are gone, or you don't have children, or you're young. I'm telling you that God has a purpose and promise for all of us, and it includes children. And I have kids that are coming up the ranks that I want to be actively involved in your lives, and I want you to be involved in their lives. I want that. We have 100 kids coming on a Sunday morning, soon to be two, three, four, five hundred over the course of time. This church is growing, and it's going to continue to expand because we're doing the kingdom right. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means that Jesus is Lord of Rock City Church, and I make, I'm making him Lord of Corpus Christi. And so what I'm telling you is that the promise for the generations and to be fruitful and multiply is for everyone. And so even for the teenagers and the young adults that are here, you have an obligation to reflect and love the Lord well and to, be, to have a generational mindset. The covenant promise to Abraham included descendants and the generations. And now, through Jesus, we're all the seed of Abraham, and we can take hold. We're heirs according to that promise that was made to Abraham. Now, I don't have time to show you all that, and what I want to challenge all of you to do is read your Bible, okay? Because a lot of times, I'm going to say things that are just like, huh, who, what, I don't understand. Come on, guys, this is foundational stuff. Knowing the covenant, knowing the promise that was made to Abraham and how through Jesus we can grab hold of that, if you don't see yourself as a promise from God, the way you live your life and the way you treat others will be broken. I'm a promise. She's a promise. Our kids are a promise. You are a promise. So when I look at you, I don't look at you as sinful and broken and jacked up, though many of you may be. What I see in you is sons and daughters. What I see in you is people full of promise. What I see is not what the devil says you are, but what God says you are. Prepare yourself because there's a lot of scripture. Uh, I feel like there's more scripture in today's message than most of which we've ever done. And yeah. so, like, you really need to drink your coffee and you really need to, like, focus. Like, <laughs> because when you can get into scripture reading and breaking down the meeting, it's real easy to check out, but you'll miss the depth of the message. That's right. And what we're not out to do is give you principles. We're out to give you the power of the Holy Spirit and we're out to give you patterns. And let me tell you why. If you don't understand these patterns that we're teaching you, if you don't get the idea that this isn't a Western Americanized church, but we're to be a family. When I come up here to worship, people grab me. I hug your kids. I hug you. I worship because I love you as a family. I'm not untouchable. I'm not unapproachable. And I'm not too busy, contrary to what most people think. I spend a lot of time with my kids and my wife because that's what's most important to me. First, Jesus then my family, and then you. That's how it goes. And so I want a family. The Father's looking for a family. So everything that we're doing in this reclaimed series is to take back what the devil maybe has stolen from you. You've probably been stolen out of church before. And what I mean by that is if you were never fathered, 
If you weren't in an atmosphere of mothering and fathering and community and real family, and no, I can't meet with every single one of you, neither can she, but you know what we can do? We can raise up other fathers and other mothers, and you can become one. Because if you want one, the best thing that you can do to get a mother and father in your life is become one. You can have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but not many fathers. Fathers are to be imitated. So we're going to teach you about our lives publicly, and we're going to create a culture of strong families because culture defines the language. Culture defines what's normal. You know what's normal here? This is normal. Many of you have come from churches where it's abnormal. And if you're not careful, you'll be skeptical and you'll have an apathetic thing like, look at those people. They're just doing it for show. Let me tell you something. If you have a problem with people lifting their hands and worshiping, we, many of us have come from churches where we're told to stand up and sit down and we didn't have a problem with that. Sorry, I just needed to say that. So about those children. <laughs> about those children. You know how much we love this. We love the t- everybody that comes at 10 o'clock too. We are like family in that we're very real, we just if like, you haven't noticed. Yeah. Okay, so the New Testament gives us the greatest commandment. I've, I've said it so many times. Mark 12, 29 talks about, Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love, love your neighbor likewise. So Jesus added a scripture from Leviticus to the greatest commandment. It's basically two Old Testament scriptures wrapped into one. And you've got to understand God's heartbeat with that scripture and where it came from originally in the Old Testament. What happened to the Israelites was done as examples and patterns for us to follow. And there's scriptures that talk about that in the New Testament. And even though the context may have been specifically for them at that time, everything was a type and shadow for today. Everything was. Remember that. And so what I want to do is I want to show you guys some of the patterns in the greatest commandment and in the way that we're supposed to live from the Old Testament, and we're going to apply it to our lives today, okay? So the, the commandment from the Lord, the greatest commandment included, it was directly given, sorry, I got to keep standing because I'm so fired up today. Stand up, guys. It's to Mark and Tina, and then it's to their children, and then it's to their grandchildren. But it first is given to them as an instruction and as a commandment, and then they become the direct disciplers of their children. They are directly held responsible to train and equip their children in a healthy, normal, right way. And let me tell you, they got a lot of kids. Go ahead and be seated. (laughs) Who wouldn't want this guy as your dad? I mean, seriously. And her as your mama. I mean, they're awesome, right? And so the commandment goes to you for the onus and then to your kids. Now, some of us have just bombed it. Some of us just burned it to the ground. I mean, we were full of religious dysfunction. We were over-religious. We were weird spiritual religious. Or there was no religion. I mean, there was, there was, it was either all wrong or nothing, which was still wrong. And we have kids that are, have gone prodigal, that don't want anything to do with the Lord. The best thing you can do is own up and say, listen, man, little did I know. 
Trust me, you guys would not have wanted me to be your pastor probably the first 10 years I was born again. I was super, super religious. I wasn't a very nice, fun guy. I was like a Christian Pharisee is what I was. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're getting free of that here because God wants healthy, normal, and he wants us to reflect him for who he really is in a wild, passionate way. And so the onus is upon us. And even if you have, have made the mistake, what I want to show you, you're going to see this, this thing about all the days of your life. Love the Lord your God and teach them all the days of your life. So even if your kids are gone, have gone prodigal, let me tell you, they will still watch you all the days of your life. And the best thing that you can do if you have a prodigal, the best thing you can do if you burned it to the ground is just make the decision now to do it right and to love the Lord right now because God is the one that fights on your behalf. God can bring your prodigal home. There's a scripture that promises if you will fully surrender your life to the Lord, not only would you be saved, but your household, and I'm gonna believe it, Acts 16, 31, all the days of your life, I'm gonna call your prodigals home. But the best thing that you can do is reflect the Lord in wild and wonder and passion for the way he really is. And most people don't know that. Where's the dreams? Where's the dream interpretation? Where's the lightning strike from the Holy Ghost? Where's the experience? Where's the wild wonder? Where's the healings? Where's the deliverance? Where's everything we read about in the Bible that should be normal? You have anything sorry, else to sorry, say? I, know. I mean, you haven't said enough. Sorry, I, ha- I know. <laughs> None of that is in his notes. That's how I know how much longer I'm waiting for my turn. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Move on. Deuteronomy 6. Guys, if you want to turn to that in your Bible, that's where we're going to be. Yes, that's right. Thank you. (laughs) Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. This is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you're crossing over to possess that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes, his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Let's pause there for a moment. You got to have a healthy fear of the Lord in your home. You got to have a healthy fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fear of the Lord is a true reverent awe and a respect for his headship his kingship, his lordship, and his friendship. There are many aspects and characteristics of the headship of Christ. He's king, he's lord, he's best friend, he's the bridegroom. And you've got this reverent fear for God that puts him front and center where it says, man, I want to reflect him well and right and I fully fear him and I'm in awe of his statutes, his commandments, and his judgments because God has put them forth for my best interest. God has your best interest at mind. None of it was designed to kill you. None of it was designed to push you away. Nobody, the Lord doesn't want you to be some weird religious person. He wants you to really know him and understand his heart and that he put these things in place for your best interest. And so he says, you're about to go into the promised land. Now, Moses was talking to the generation 
that was going to possess the promised land. It was a new generation of 20 and under. Everyone 20 and over got wiped out. You know why? Complaining, hard hearts, constantly wanting to go back to Egypt. And that wasn't what God wanted passed down to the kids. There's a statement in Numbers chapter 11 when the mixed multitude started crying out to go back to Egypt and they were complaining because they didn't have all the good food that they thought they had. And they started wailing in their tents and it says that the children were wailing and crying too because kids follow by example. And God was, he was ticked. He started a fire. He started burning a fire on the outskirts of the camp and the people were terrified because when you start passing that on to your kids, man, you're really messing with the heartbeat of God. And so observing, to observe them in the land that you're going, the statutes and the judgments, God wants us to observe them. And just as the promise was to that generation, think about it. They're gonna go into the promised land and now Moses is teaching them things they should and shouldn't do. In fact, the word Deuteronomy actually means second law. It's a continuation from what they got at Mount Sinai. Now Moses is teaching giving sermons, and preparing a new generation for the promised land. Today, we have a promised land that's coming. It's called heaven. But do you know that God wants that promised land here right now? It's called heaven on earth, okay? Heaven on earth, the Lord's prayer. Remember that. God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, okay? So they're going to possess the land And it says, fear the Lord your God and keep his statutes and commandments, not only to you, but to your kids. You are your kid's discipler. You are your kid's trainer. And at some point, we're going to get to Proverbs 22, 6. Train a child up in the way they should go so that when they're older, they don't depart. And my prayer is that we would actively disciple and train our kids the way that we're supposed to. And that's what this bank of scriptures, in fact, this whole chapter of Deuteronomy 6 is powerful. You guys should meditate on it a lot, okay? So it says all the days of your life, it's your whole life. It never stops. You don't stop parenting even when your kids leave, right? That's a good word. You don't stop parenting even when your kids leave. So verse 3 is something that Amber's going to really, really expound on in going into verse 4. It's this understanding of hear, of hearing. If you're not hearing the voice of the Lord and being spirit-led, then you'll be led by some other voice. And the main voice, that'll lead you yourself. And then you get influenced by the enemy's voice, the spirit of this age, and the world. And if you're not teaching your kids to hear the voice of the Lord, guess who your kids are going to follow? Britney Spears. David, that was like in the 90s. That, that, no one's following her anymore. Oh. So, Sorry. I'm a little outdated. <laughs> Who's the who of the day? Royal. Royal is the, Royal. that girl. I know. You should just stop. Just stop. Let's just move well, on. Well, Justin Bieber's coming around. I mean, he is you, coming You're around. just saying that because I told you the other day that he's a Christian now, and now you think you're current. I want you to, I want you to notice that Amber keeps moving the iPad. Because it's my turn. Move away. Go. go. For, I'm okay, just, go. I'm just listening to him steal all my lines. Like, Sorry, uh, everything so I told him I'd up. say, You're... I just keep hearing him say it. So I'm like, what else is there to say? Oh, that's not true. Anyway, okay, I, ha- I do have a lot to say. Um, okay, where do I even begin? <clears throat> Sorry, I like that you're fired up. You guys, this is how we really are. You get to just see us for how we really are. Okay? I am fired up eternally. I really am. Okay, so... <laughs> 
I'm going to start with, first of all, he, he already recapped Deuteronomy, what Moses is doing, and basically um, what Moses is doing is giving a bunch of speeches. He's reminding the, um, the second generation, hey, you have a chance to not be like your parents. Mm. So their, par- his, their parents, the second, the second generation, um, their, their parents, the first generation, didn't make it to the promised land. They forfeited their destiny, and a lot of them were wiped out to be just clear. Um, So what he's saying is, hey, you have a chance to make the Lord your priority and forget the promises your parents didn't get. And so with that, of course, you know where I'm going is that even if your parents did it wrong, you have a chance to claim a different destiny for your life right now. See how fired up that was? (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Wow. Okay. (laughs) I'm about to fall out of my chair. Oh, shush it. (laughs) So verse 4 says, it it, it is part of, this is when he's talking about all the different laws, and he's adding to, in addition to the commandments, he's also adding the Shema, which is a Hebrew word that means hear, and what hear really means um, is listen, respond, and obey. So I'm going to give you the definitions of hear and love, and then you can think about what they mean when I read the verse. Um, The teacher in me wants you to insert the definition, (laughs) but it really does help. Okay, so here in the scripture I'm going to read is listen, respond, and obey. So actually not just hear it, but actually do something with it. Uh, Love means wholehearted devotion, a decision reflected in everything, your will, mind, your emotions, your heart. So it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, or with all your soul, and with all your strength. So basically, listen, respond, and obey, and then be wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord with all of your heart. Um, And so I feel like if that were the main priority for every parent here, and, and even if you're not a parent, Um, If that was the main thing, if you really were um, in this wholehearted devotion to the Lord, I I feel like the rest would just pan out for you. Um, I know that it doesn't seem so easy, but um, if we make him the main thing, he's the main thing, then everything else works out from there. Uh, It's one of his promises. And so when I think of that, um, about what dedication and wholehearted uh, devotion looks like, he goes into, in the verse 6, he goes into practicality. What does it look like um, to teach your children? And he says in verse 6, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall, walk of, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as forelets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So obviously he's telling you in every single thing you do, the Lord is front and center. And the only, every time I read that, the word abide screams loudly to me. I don't know if it does to you, but abiding to me is a, ongoing constant dependency to the father and so last last um service i read a lot of john 15 
of course, if you think about abiding, you think about John 15 when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you are powerless. You cannot produce fruit. You can do nothing on your own. So um, that's a, abiding looks like staying connected to the branch and then being able to let him prune you and produce fruit. So, so your children can look like fruit. Um, and I just thought of another thing to say, but it doesn't really sound nice, so I'm going to skip say over it. it. No, no, no. It. Just, you don't say want it. rotten fruit. Say it. You don't want rotten fruit. You don't want rotten fruit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what popped in my head. Not calling your children rotten fruit. See? <laughs> but they can be at some time. I was a teacher, so I'm just like, eh. I'm having moments flash in my mind. Um, so... You don't want to produce, you want to produce fruit and you want it to be good, nourishing fruit. Um, and so, um, if you go back up to where it says you should teach them diligently, um, I'm going to, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm going to skip over John reading you guys, John 15. I'm just going to say that you need to be intimately joined to him and that it, when you do, you have power, you produce fruit. That's about all I'm going to get. I don't want to bore you with the, a lot of scripture reading. Well, it's not boring. Well, I just feel like it was a lot. It is time. a lot. But it was. To summarize, if you haven't read John 15, Please it's abide, 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 abide. I mean, the word abide is such a recurring yeah. pattern. And that basically, if you're not abiding, which I actually call lordship. He calls it lordship. It's both things. We're both right. <laughs> We're both right. <laughs> Every time wow. he's like, every time we're talking about this, he's like, well, that's lordship. Right. Right it is, but it's also abiding, and I'm right, too. <laughs> anyway, uh, you guys lord, like saying, lordship, abiding, yeah. we should take a vote You know on what? That. We're totally opposite, but God things. just wired it like that. Yeah. You're abiding when She's you're in lordship. She's wrong a lot of the times, but I just set her straight. <laughs> no. Anyway... I didn't mean that. I know. I know. <laughs> okay, so diligently, this is the touchy subject that was kind of weighty on the first service. So prepare yourselves. Um, I'm not saying this in a judgmental way. I'm saying this because the Lord placed it on my heart as a really heavy thing to say today. Um, and so um, when, it, when you think about teaching your children diligently, when you think of the word diligently, it doesn't mean passively. It doesn't mean when you can cram in a few minutes. It means diligently with a lot of effort, um, forward thought, rearranging schedules, sacrificing your dreams for a season. Um, it can look like a lot of things that are hard. And so for that, I want us to think about our time management. Yep. <laughs> Everybody's like, uh... <laughs> So I'm just going to say it. Um, in, in, my season, in my life so far, I've had, to, I've had a season when the kids were babies where I felt like I had to lay everything down, and it felt like such a sacrifice because I felt like I was just in diapers and bottles and sleepless nights, and what happened to me? What about me? We, we, every mom's like, yeah, yeah, we've been there. Um, so there's that season, and then it still looks like sacrifice in every new season because 
as when you have kids, it's not solely about you anymore. Um, um, gosh, <laughs> so weighty when you, okay, and um, you, what you feel like you might, if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, he might lead you to do something that in the natural seems like you're laying down, well, if I don't do it now, it won't be, it won't happen, or I have this opportunity now, I need to go full speed ahead with it, but really, laying that down can produce more life than what you could have ever done in your own strength. If you would let him lead. And so for a season, sometimes it looks like I don't get to pursue a certain dream or my degree isn't being used. Um, and I don't know how to apply this necessarily to men. Um, I'm trying. But as far as time management and how many hours you work. And I get that there are single moms here that have to work a lot of hours. I get that there are dual income families that have to work to be able to pay their um, mortgages and bills. But I will also say, <laughs> I will also say that when you make what the Lord feel, feels is priority, your priority, he'll make a way. So, Sometimes it looks like just depending on the Lord to make a different way. Um, and for us, it looks like maybe possibly homeschooling. I'll just say that next semester or next school year. Because, and I'm not saying it looks that drastic for every, please, I'm not one of those all out homeschool or you're not hearing the Lord. No, I'm just saying for us, it was, it's a readjusting of our time and our quality time with our kids. And when I looked at our schedule and... I'm just thinking of Jeremy. He's going to be like, here we go, tissue time with Amber again. Um, he makes fun of me. I, I thought I'd get through this one without a tear. Okay. And this is not, please don't hear this as what you should do. The Holy Spirit and what that looks like for you. And for us in this season... Um, we have a daughter going in to kinder next year, which would be all day. And we as pastors have a lot of extra obligations. We have evening things a lot. Um, we have weekend things. And so when I looked at the practicality of, of how much time I would really be able to invest in my children, it was a no-brainer. Um, granted, I have a teaching degree, and it's kind of like my gifting and my, my gift set that the Lord gave me. Not that you have to have that, but... All that aside, it, I'm just telling you a personal story because I think it just looks like every season reevaluating. So if if you're working, this is so this is such a weighty subject. If you're working so much just to have bigger, better, more, maybe stop and think. I feel like the Lord wants us to stop and think about this American dream we feel like is so important, and think about. Who's raising your kids while you're doing that? You know what? If you, ha if you have to have your kids in school and you have to have them in latchkey, think about the hour you get a bedtime bath and put them to bed. I mean, you're 
you, if you're looking at teach them diligently, when you walk, when you wake, when you go to bed, a lot of times you can't be there in the morning. You can't be there at night. You can't walk with them. Um, and so, and I, it's hard because I know some of you do have to work long hours. But like I said, sometimes when you're just being led by the Holy Spirit, if you do what he wants you to do, he will provide a way. And it might be hard, and it might look like you laid down everything. But like I said, in the end, it's better than what you could have ever done in your own strength. And I hope you're hearing my heart, and I'm really not trying to. Does it make sense? Okay. (sighs) Got that out. Okay. So we got to invest in our kids. We can't let the school systems raise them. We can't expect that the 20 minutes in Bible school back there is going to be their spiritual intake. Um, that they, they, they have to have more. And for us, it looks like Bible time. It looks like just praying. Like when we, they hear an ambulance, my kids are like, we have to pray. Mom, we have to pray. If, if I'm busy, it's like, no, we have to pray for whoever is in the ambulance. Um, it looks like when they're having a temper tantrum, every, I stop and we just ask Jesus to help us in the car, ask the Holy Spirit to come in the vehicle. And the peace comes like a tangible peace. So it looks like that. Um, There's a lot more. It looks like the fruit of the Spirit. If you're abiding and you're producing fruit, you're producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, um, forgiveness with your children. And like one thing we didn't say on the first time is we mess up all the time with our kids. Who doesn't? Um, And then I'll say to them, I'm sorry, Mama lost her patience. I went a little crazy. I'm really stressed. So do you, like, will you forgive me? I really don't know where that came from. And you know when you're not walking in the Spirit, you know that you're disconnected from the Spirit. It's like a reality check. It's my checkoff system. If I'm missing peace and I just go off like a drill sergeant and off of something so silly and just get on and punish them instead of discipline them, then I'm not caring about their heart and I'm not connected to the Spirit. Um, one last thing. I know that was a lot. I know. Man, I know. He he does not wow. like. <laughs> you see how hard it is for him to sit the there. Service. He's like, I have one last thing, and then it's all you. And I'm even going to remove myself from the table, and you're just going to fire it. You're just going to stand up and. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. So the the last thing is, I saw this shirt, and it really was. I know it's silly, but I saw a shirt for sale. I'm already shopping online. And um, it said, tiny. We're going to get to money in this series at some point. I can hardly wait. I can hardly wait to talk about money. I'm wanting the quality time with the kids instead of being at the store. So it just, you know, yeah. Um, so That might be the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but okay. It works. <clears throat> anyway, I saw a shirt, and it was a Tyler graphic tee, and it said, tiny disciples. And I thought, oh, precious in the cart, in the cart. But, um, but besides that, <laughs> Jeremy. If she's buying a tiny disciple shirt, I'm just going to spend the money happy. and bite See, my lip. See, if it's a spiritual shirt, it doesn't matter the cost. Uh, I'm That's just kidding. It was reasonable. It was a reasonable. It was reasonable. Um, anyway, tiny disciples, you will see my children in it because they're so cute. And um, it did remind me, though, in all seriousness, that they are disciples. We are disciples. So if we're being discipled, think about what it looks like to be a disciple. It looks like abiding. looks like being spirit-led. 
um, not just being a seeker-sensitive Christian that comes and does their duty, but is deeply connected to the Lord. So if we're representing that, we are, um, if we're disciples, the best way um, we can reproduce that in our children, we want them to also be disciples. And when I thought about what, how is Jesus with his disciples? So his disciples were a mess in a lot of ways, like children, like we are. And so we think about how was Jesus so patient with his disciples, and how did he model new lessons? Um, they were always asking questions. They watched him do things, um, heal people, have patience with people, teach people. They just watched him. He modeled dependency on the Father. He only did what they, his Father did. And so the disciples... We're just always asking him questions, and he would tell stories and parables, and that's what you can apply to your kids. Tell them stories with pictures. Um, be like Jesus was with his disciples, which was patient and loving, and they messed up a bazillion times, and he loved them unconditionally. And that's all I have to say. So a few things that I want to add to that, and then we're going to pray for any of you that would like prayer this morning. I love this bank of scriptures, and I wrote down a few notes that I would like to go over as well. The first thing is, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And it's not a religious thing. It's not something of you just going through the motions. Either you have it or you don't. And the best thing that you can do is get it. Make, make Jesus really real in your life. Be born again and spirit-filled and act the way he teaches us to act. Live the way he teaches us to live. It's a heart thing. And if it's not in your heart, you can only go through the motion so long. It's not behavior modification. It's a reality of who you're becoming. So we're no longer going to church just because it's the right thing to do on a Sunday morning and going through the motions. We're now coming not just to receive but to give. And we're coming to be a part to build a family so that the generations, as they come, can be trained and equipped in the proper way. And, it, and you know, walking and talking and and. Talking about the Lord full-time, all the time, is not something that you can make up or pretend. And so what often happens is if you have a skewed view of who God is, you just won't do it. You think God's mad at you. You think you're a failure. If you, if you still have shame issues from your past, get that out of your life. Let us help you. We've all burned it to the ground or made mistakes. No, we haven't always done it right, but there's no shame. Because if you have shame, you'll pass to your kids, or you'll just retreat and isolate, and you'll just never talk about the Lord. Or if you've seen it done dysfunctionally, your fear is that you don't want to be like your parents or like that pers other person, whoever it is. You fill in the blank, and then you just don't do it. What I want more than anything is that it becomes a reality for you. And the only way that's going to happen is with real lordship. The only way that's going to happen is with really abiding. This isn't a religious thing, guys. I'm, I'm not a very good religious guy. I really love Jesus. I really love people. I really love my employees. I run my business really, really well. I run my home really well. And I do it together with my wife. And I do it authentically because it's who I am. So the God stuff's like the air I breathe. And I don't have to talk weird Christianese to do it. It's just a part of who I am because it's in my heart. And you can do it. You can do it. I believe in you. I'll be your biggest champion to believe next to Jesus that this can become a reality so that your kids can experience the wonder of who the Lord is. So it's a hard issue. On the understanding of teaching diligently, I'm going to say it again. You are your kid's discipler. You're the first discipler. 
you have to disciple your kids well. You're the trainer. You're the one that sets the example. And if you've come hurting, broken, or messed it up, get a part of a community, hopefully this one, and learn and grow and become family. So you can learn to do it the right way. Get around men. Men, get around women, women. Get around mothers and fathers. Get around people that will take the time to invest in you and help you to become everything God's called you to become. If you're longing for a spiritual parent, as I said earlier, become one. Become one. Find somebody. I got a ton of, ton of millennials in this church. And they're hungry and they're desperate. And they're experiencing the Lord in a powerful way. But they need mothers and fathers. That can set the example. When Jesus quoted the greatest commandment, he added the understanding of loving your neighbor as yourself. It came from Leviticus 19.18. And, and we have to teach our kids what it means to love our neighbor even more than our own selves. So mission trips, I can't wait to start taking my kid on mission trips. So we do mission trips usually every year where we go to, Mexico, to uh, Puerto Escondido. It's a great place to take kids. We're going to do other trips. We're going to go to Brazil. We're going to go around the world. We want our kids to do mission trips and learn. We're, re we're doing this regeneration deal with 40 and under so that all the generations from 40 and under, the young marrieds, the young adults, the young professionals in the high school, can learn and grow together. So now we're not doing the church within a church thing anymore where we have the youth group that's their own little thing. The youth need examples to follow, so we put them together twice a month in corporate worship. We have them pray together, worship together, and then we open up homes twice a month according to their age group. And actually, it's caused our youth ministry to double in size just by doing this because high schoolers are longing to be around young adults, and young adults are longing to be around young marrieds. You got to do life together, guys. Let's break the, the westernized, institutionalized mindset of church. And let me make sure you all understand every single person in this sanctuary. Regardless of where you're at in your past, you are a vital part and you have a place in the kingdom. And I want you to be a part of this church. And I want you to do what God's called you to do because there's so much work coming up behind us. What we do here is make sure you're not finding your value based on your position and your title. What we do here is make sure that money's not your driving factor. So loving your neighbor, you know, teaching your kids to give their toys away, teaching their kids to not be so materialistic. You know, when we go place like last Wednesday, when we had Heart of David here, we had this explosive thing happen at the end. People were crying and weeping and getting touched by God, and we released the kids. My kids came out, and there was, I mean, the front was packed. I mean, it was awesome. It was like 9.15, and it had gone long. But I saw it as an opportunity to teach my kids how, why we're doing what we're doing so it becomes normal for them. So I grabbed my kids and I walked around to several people. I said, come on with me. Put your hand on that shoulder. And we started praying. My little three and five-year-olds started praying for some of you. Where else are you going to teach your kids to do that? Now your kids can be a part of worship and watch mom and dad worship. That's a big thing. That's a big thing. So we lead by example in everything that we do. Now I want to go back to the scripture that's up on the screen. You will not talk the talk if you're not walking the walk. You won't talk. And I want you to notice that talk and walk is both in the scripture. So when you're at home, 
the place you work so hard to have, that's your sanctuary, the number one most important place to teach your kids about the Lord is at home. But then, because you're living it, you can talk the talk, then when you're going for a walk in the park or you're riding your bikes, I spend a lot of time with my kids at the park. We live over by Hans and Pat Sluter Park off Venice Jocelyn here in Corpus Christi. And we go on nature walks. We go on bike rides. I get them off their iPads. I get them off electronics. And I get them out of the house. Because I want my kids to experience the Lord and the wondrous beauty of what he's created. Because Romans 1 says that God has revealed the nature and the characteristics and the attributes of who he is is revealed in his creation. It doesn't cost money to go to the beach, guys. It doesn't cost money, well, a little bit, but get some bikes for your kids and get outside. Get outside. And then as you're outside, you know, one of the things we love to do is I bought my kids little binoculars. They're like little $15 binoculars. And we go bird watching. I mean, we had a hooded Oriole come up and do our, we have a white bird of paradise uh, palm in our front yard. And we had this hooded oriole come in, and we were like lit, yellow, beautiful. So we made a little bed by the window, cracked it open, and then we were waiting to catch a picture of that bird, and we got some. And then we have woodpeckers, and we get out, and we experience nature. And while we're doing life, everywhere we go, I'm bringing God into it. Because it's not compartmentalizing the Lord. And, and just make the, the wonder, so I use this word a lot, wonder, because if you don't have wonder, you won't have hunger. If you don't have a fascinating wonder of who God is, you'll lose your hunger. You know what, you're going to see religion, rules, policies, programs. That's why so many people say to me, man, I just don't go to church because my church is on the beach. Come on, some of you have said that. Because you know what, you can't experience the Lord on the beach because you see the wondrous works of his hands. And it's declaring who he is. But if you're not part of a local church and in a body, you're out of the will of God. Because God never called us to live alone on the beach and to do it in our own way. We need each other. We define what's normal. We measure each other. Every joint supplies in a body. The hand can't say, I have no need of the foot. So can you experience the Lord in the mountains? And of course, I mean, I have some of the most, I don't even have an office, guys. My office is my truck for the last five years, I've written every message sitting by the water in my truck. We don't have a green room, though I would like to have one at some point. Because <laughs> sometimes I just need to have a moment or, you know, but I love, I, don't, I can't be confined very well. I don't like being confined. And we live in such a beautiful place. Let's get excited about what God's created and let's get our kids excited. We look, I put a bunch of stars up on the ceiling and we talk about the stars. We talk about the heavens. We talk about angels and demons. And then I'm telling them my story. So look at the scripture. When you sit, when you rise, when you walk, when you're at home. And then I really love this. When you lie down and when you rise up. I think that the two most powerful times of the day for all of us is the morning right when you wake up and the night right before you go to bed. Those are the two most, I think, the two most powerful times of the day to experience the Lord. So when I get up, I want to put him first. When my kids get up, I want to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this new day. I keep it simple. When we go to bed, 
we talk about the Lord. We talk about who he is. We have a bunch of books, thanks to the fact that I'm married to a teacher. So we have like thousands of books. She also taught kindergarten before, so thousands of books. And half of them are stories you grew up with. And the other half are Bible stories, all kinds of Bible kids books. And then we have, nor- we have other books. So we read the Bernstein brothers, and then we read about the Bible, Jesus and his brothers, right? I mean, so we read a Bible story, and we read a- another story. And then before bed, we just welcome God. We welcome the presence of the Lord. Invite the presence of the Lord. Invite the Holy Spirit into your rooms, into your house, and clean your house out. Clean your house out of stuff that's not the Lord. Don't be, do, if you're doing the Shen Fui thing or whatever it's called, Fen Shui, whatever it's called, I'm telling you it's not the Lord. Is that so yesterday? I might be really out of touch these days, but listen, little Buddhas around the house, I'm just telling you. They're dumb idols. They don't speak. So you bring God into, into your home, the presence of the Lord. And I don't, I'm not forcing my kids to pray. You, I'm going to make you pray. Come on, it's time for you to pray. Say this prayer. I don't want to. I'm like, I don't do that. Instead, what I do is I say, hey, would you guys like to pray? Yeah, but you pray first. So I say, okay, say this with me. So I say, thank you, Jesus. They say, thank you, Jesus. And I ask them, who do you want to pray for? Sometimes they got a whole list of the most random thing. I mean, they might have met you one time, and they bring your name up that night. They'll pray for the, I'm like, where did you get that from? They pray for the strangest stuff that I haven't even thought about. And we're going to get into, at some point, getting revelation from your children. We're going to get into Luke 18. Because Luke 18, Jesus is talking about, do not keep the babies and the children away from me. In fact, they will represent to you what faith looks like in the kingdom. And through their revelation, you will actually become more like the Lord. But we're not talking about that today. Today we're talking top down. We're going to come to bottom up. Meaning the kids are, I learn more from my kids about faith and trust and simplicity. I just want to be more like a child. And unless you become converted and become just one big giant kid, I'm not talking childish, I'm talking childlike. I want to, I want to be wilder than my kids. I'm like loud. I mean, we're driving down the road and I'm like, and my little girl's like, Daddy, are you praying in tongues? I'm like, no, I'm beatboxing. So, so now they beatbox, and I teach them, I think the best time to beatbox is when you're walking. You got your little jive, and I'm just kicking a beat, and my kids start kicking a beat, and then the next minute I'm like, and my kids are like, huh? But I'm teaching my kids extravagance. So before we go to bed, I grab my kids, and I, and I whisper in their ear, Daddy loves you, and I bless you. I speak the Father's blessing to you, and I prophesy that you will be everything that the Lord's called you to be all the days of your life. And I speak great dreams. I speak the signs and wonders of the Lord. I start prophesying over my kids before bed. And I'm speaking the Father's blessing because the greatest wound that we're dealing with is the father wound. I'm telling you right now, don't let your kids be raised with the father wound. And if you have a father wound, get it filled with the father's love from heaven. Because neither of my fathers were able to give me what the heavenly father gave me. And so now, 
I'm bringing the Lord into everything that I do, especially before bed and especially in the morning. Let's look at the next verse, verse eight. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Have you ever thought how powerful hands are? Like I have a lion ring. I love this lion. This is my signet ring from the Lord that I'm gonna pass down to my kids. I have another one. It's a purity ring, okay? But I'm gonna pass down the purity ring and my lion ring because the lion reminds me that the righteous are bold as a lion. And it reminds me that he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And it reminds me that when the enemy roams around like a roaring lion, because he's not a lion, there's only one lion. And I'm reminded of confidence and boldness. And one day my kids will say, Daddy, why do you wear a lion ring? Now, we didn't have time to get into it today because we're going to pray here in a second. You guys go home and read all of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Because starting at verse 20, it says, when your son asks you, about the meaning of all the ordinances and statutes. When your son asks you, there it is on the screen. It goes on to say, you remind them of what, I, what the Lord did for the Israelites coming out of Egypt. You know why that's so powerful? Because the story of God's delivering power in Egypt showed his sovereignty, his power, and his lordship over the enemy. I'm feeling anointing on talking about this. And what I, then how does it translate to you is that you have a story. And the greatest thing that you're going to be able to pass on to your kids is the testimony of what God did for you. I can't wait till you can fully explain. Your kids are living out your story. But imagine the power of the story from Lacey and Jeff and Mark and Tina and passing down with Reuben, now Reuben's son, and Reuben's kids and Chelsea's kids, now generations are experiencing the power of God and the reminder because of the testimony. So I say to my kids, you know why daddy needs Jesus? You know why Jesus is in my life? Because I was a bad dude. You wouldn't have wanted to know me back then. I did bad things. They're like, what, daddy? I'm like, I'll tell you when you get a little older. <laughs> but I needed Jesus, kids. I'm like, keep it normal, guys. I needed Jesus because I was jacked up. My kids are like, what's jacked up? What's jacked up? They're asking me about every word right now. I'm like, that means I was really, really messed up, and I wasn't living for Jesus, and I hurt people. I used people. I've said this to my kids. They're three and five. I used people for my own gain. I was a great con artist, but not anymore. And I crank up Bethel worship, and I say, let's praise the Lord. Come on. Yeah, and I just start shouting to the Lord. Because I'm showing my kids how excited I am that I'm redeemed. Does any of this sound like religious dysfunction to you? No. Let's raise a generation that doesn't ever want to go astray. I teach my kids about dreams. I interpret them. I even videoed my daughter. She had a powerful dream about, the, about God coming to her and telling her that she could do those monkey bars. This, her greatest thing she wanted to do was climb the monkey bars. We'd go, every day we'd go to the park, and she'd watch other kids do it. She'd, Daddy, hold me. Daddy, hold me. And I'd have to carry it, and she was so afraid to do it on her own. Now if you watch my daughter, she's like a rocket ship across them. But she had a dream from the Lord before she ever did it, and that's legacy. And I'll remind her, and I videoed it, and I said, you remember how God came to you in that dream and told you you could do it? And so when the bigger things come in life, because the monkey bars was the biggest thing for a five-year-old. But one day, there's going to be a lot bigger things. Just feel the, the Lord here right now. If you don't catch the wind of God's heartbeat for your kids in the generation, 
I'll catch it for you. And I will help you and propel you. And I don't want you to miss it. This isn't going through the motions, guys. We're raising up an army. And you know what? I don't, there's a scripture in Judges. Gosh, I think it's like right off Judges 1. Probably Judges chapter 2. Pull up Judges chapter 2 verse 1. I might be wrong. <clears throat> but I'm just going to go there. <clears throat> I don't want to perish like the other generation did. And I want to teach my kids. That might not have been it. Anyways, the scripture that talks about teaching our kids that there was a generation that did not know war. So God left the, the enemies so that they would be taught. Where is it? 3-2. Thank you. Judges 3-2. God actually left the enemies to teach, to teach that generation how to war because they had not formally known it. You know what? I'm just going to teach my kids right now. The devil hates them, but we don't have to be afraid. The best way you defeat him is you love and you praise and you serve and you honor the Holy Spirit. And when the enemy comes around, I'm going to teach my kids how to, how to stand against the enemy and resist the enemy. But right now, they're really, really young. And so we're the ones that set the stage and set the example. You guys are going to break any generational things on your family line so that you can step into all that God has for you and your children. And it'll actually be a promise to your parents. That's what God does. Every young adult here, every mother and father, every generation, we have a heartbeat to see God's power move in this city and to see God's power move and the kingdom come. You know how the kingdom comes? One house, one family at a time. That's what we're going to see happen. And so binding the word of the Lord on your hands means everything I put my hand to, God's front and center. And I love you all, and I'm going to say this again like I've said it a thousand times. Please read your Bible. I just don't know how else to tell you. The Word has to be in your eyes all the time and on your hand all the time. So the Word is forever before me. And it's not just the logos. It's not just the written Word. It's got to be the spoken Word of the rhema. You have to have both. But you won't know what God's saying until you know what God has said. And if you want to hear God's voice and be led all the time, get into the word. Understand Abraham. Understand what God did for the Israelites in Egypt. Understand the covenant promise that's made to you. Go read the book of Ruth 50 times and bawl your eyes out. Understand what God did with Esther. Understand why God picked David. Understand why God's pouring out the spirit of Elijah today in Malachi 4.6. Understand turning the hearts of the fathers. Read your Bible. I love you. You can do it. You got every technology on your iPad and on your phone. And don't just read it. Read it to know it. Know what God's saying. So God speaks to me as I meditate on his word. And daily bread is daily bread. Daily means daily, guys. I love you, but daily means daily. Daily is daily. Daily is every day. Daily is every day. Night and day. And so I'll leave you with this, and then we're going to pray. I know I've said that, but Psalm 91.1, he who dwells, he who abides, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under. You know what I view the shadow of the Lord on my life as? A full-time open heaven, the presence and the power of God. I'm at H-E-B, I'm at Stripes. It doesn't matter where I go. 
I'm ready, willing, and able at all times to be used by his power, and I know he's with me because I had a secret place lifestyle. And what God, what, what is revealed to you in private, or what you do in private, he will reveal publicly. And if you don't get a private life in Jesus, we're wasting our time. Let's all stand.